Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. We are a small community of Jesus followers in Providence, Rhode Island. Our goal in life is to be the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, living out God's mission in our culture. You're listening to content created specifically for our church community, and the thoughts and teachings that you'll find here come from a study of the Bible that is informed by some of the best thinkers and followers of Jesus today and throughout church history. Just a heads up, you may hear a variety of voices and distractions and noises in the background. This is because we are a church of families with real lives full of children, noise, and interruptions. We celebrate these noises, however, because they remind us that real life is not a perfectly curated moment, but is full of opportunities to worship Jesus through the messy, unflattering, and mundane. In addition to this, you may hear the voices and comments of various audience members throughout the teaching. While this often causes our time to go a little long, it also deepens and enriches our time together as we discuss what we are learning and reflect on how to live it out. So bear with us. We are not professionals, but we are imperfect people who love and serve a perfect God. Let's go. John 15, verses 18 through 27. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. The end. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you for reading that, Johnny. Uh, so... We have been going through uh, what we've been calling our vision series for the past couple of weeks. Um, This is our third week in it. Next week is our last week in it. And then we're jumping into Jonah, uh, how to be a bad missionary, which will tie in very closely to what we're talking about today. Um, In our vision series, we try to do this once a year. Uh, This is our our first year doing it. So we're we're doing great so far. (laughs) Uh, Say it again. And it's the inaugural one. Yes, we're on track for doing this once a year. Um, we are, we've been talking through our three core values, Jesus, family, and mission. Partly because we've got some new folks among us that have not been a part of this conversation with us, right? Uh, what does Jesus, family, mission mean? What, is it, what are we devoting ourselves to? What is this thing we're signing up for? Uh, is it even scriptural, right? Um, partly because those of us that have heard this a million times need to hear it a million and one times. Right? We need a constant reminder that these are the things that we're committing ourselves to and devoting ourselves to. Um, and I, I believe that these are not only scripturally informed, uh, but that they are the crux, the totality of all that the scriptures call us to. Right? If we do nothing else in the scriptures but live out 
the way of Jesus' family mission, I believe we will satisfy the scriptures. Okay? Uh, and these three things are obviously not very easy. Right? As those of us who have been trying to live them out for the past five, six years have realized, this is really, really hard. Living out uh, a life fully devoted to Jesus uh, is hard. Living a life devoted to and being in community is hard. Um, living a life that is missional and joining Jesus in his mission is hard. Uh, but that's what it means to live the way of Jesus. Um, I, I, I welcome some discussion usually during our, our teaching times. And so I oftentimes will ask some questions and I invite you guys to participate. Um, but for those of you that weren't here the last two weeks, these two questions will not make any sense. Um, what, if anything, from the last two weeks has, uh, has stood out to you about our conversations about Jesus and family? What, if anything? Bonus points if you remember the Greek word. Uh, gosh. Starts with an M. Ends with an enos. <laughs> you got it. We were doing bath time last night with Ellie, and she's got these little foam like letters, alphabet letters that she plays with. And so uh, every now and then I play these games where I try to see how many of them I get to stick to her uh, while she's like standing up before she sits down. Uh, and then the other game we play is we'll throw a bunch of letters on the on the, the tub wall and see what words we can spell. And we accidentally spelled menos yesterday unintentionally, and so we had some uh, some Greek lessons with our eleven month old in the bathtub. You can never start too early. Anything else? What has stood out to you for the past two weeks? You talked about yeah, abiding in Jesus and this idea of um, surviving and holding on and not not even surviving but thriving in the midst of adversity. Yeah. And that's about all I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So when we talked about like the love um, between family members yeah. and like the difference, um, especially in like the first century Greek, Greco-Roman world of calling somebody a brother or a sister mm-hmm. um, that wasn't part of your clan or your yeah. tribe. Um, and that's like this new like family tribe. Yeah. Um, which were like bringing in people who may not be like um, blood related to us, but there's like that spiritual part of them. Yeah. Yeah, it was unheard of in Jesus' day, whether you were Hebrew or Roman or Greek or whatever, it was unheard of to call someone a brother or a sister uh, who wasn't uh, blood relative, right? And so when Jesus called the church brothers and sisters, uh, he was inviting uh, the church to be this intimate, uh, committed community of people that views one another as if they're blood relatives. It was a really big deal. It was a redefining of this relationship. Anything else? Those are great because those are the two things I really wanted you guys to take, take away from it. Were there any questions or like concerns that have come out of those two 
teachings. Good, good. I was taught, it was taught perfectly. Um, yeah, I mean, the one thing that I will say about Jesus and family is, um, and mission, is we, we have to be okay with not being very good at it. Right? We have to be okay with the fact that uh, family is not going to be perfect. Uh, we're, never gonna, uh, we're never going to fully and perfectly pursue and devote ourselves to Jesus um, because we are imperfect, broken, sinful people. Okay, um, but that's something that we pursue nonetheless. Uh, so this morning we're going to talk about our third and final uh, core commitment. Uh, sometimes I use the word core value. Sometimes I use the word core commitment. I mean the same thing, right? If I am uh, valuing something, it means I'm committed to it. Uh, and if I am not committed to it, then I do not value it. Okay, if I tell you that I'm committed to going to the gym uh, and losing 30 pounds this year, but I never go to the gym and I'm only gaining weight you would say, Tim does not value physical fitness very much. Okay? Um, so commitment and values are the same thing. This idea of mission is a, the third thing that we see in the scriptures that we are called to commit ourselves to, to devote ourselves to. And this one tends to be uh, the hardest of the three for us. Right? We generally don't have a problem devoting ourselves to Jesus. You know, read, read your Bible, spend time in prayer, uh, you know, uh, listen to teachings on the scriptures, go to church on Sundays or join the gathering on Sundays is what we like to say here. Um, uh, you know, being in community and being friendly and loving one another all sounds great, right? It sounds nice to like love your neighbor and, and not have like bad blood between you and someone. Uh, but this idea of going out and making disciples, being missional, joining Jesus in the mission of reconcili- reconciliation and, uh, and sharing the gospel is really hard for us. All right? what, what comes to, me, to your word when I use the word mission? Okay, so a trip that a youth group takes to Mexico. Yes, our youth group. We're already starting to raise support for the mission trip too. <laughs> yeah, anyone grow up going on a mission trip? You've been on a mission trip, yeah. Um, I've been on a couple. Uh, it's they're great experiences. They're usually not very helpful for the place that you're going to, uh, but they're in, they're very formative for for us as as individuals. Uh, I like to share the story of a of a youth group that was so excited about going to Africa for a missions trip and they were going to you know, serve this tribe that really needed the gospel and really needed Jesus. And they show up there and they ask the, the chief, they're like, hey, like, what can we do to serve you? Like, how can we bless you? And he's like, you know, we have this old dilapidated building over here. Um, we don't really use it. It's kind of dangerous for our kids. Uh, do you mind like breaking it down and tearing it down? And, and they're like, yeah, all the kids are excited about you know, doing something important for the, for the, for the village about halfway through the week, they're, they're almost done tearing it down, and, and the youth pastor comes over to the chief and says, like, so, you know, what was this building used for anyway? He says, well, a couple of years ago, another group like yours came in and said we needed a church, so they built that, uh, but we don't really use it. So. <laughs> um, and so there's this uh, idea uh, in, in missions trips where um, the trip is really more beneficial for the people that are going than it is for the people that are there. Um, not saying that it's never beneficial for the people that are there, but... Well, mission really always starts with yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So mission uh, has something to do with a need. That's another big one. What else? What else comes to your mind when I use the word mission? 
A little Mission Impossible, right? Um, why do you think we tend to struggle with this third core value more than the other two? Yeah. When that's really counter what Jesus calls us to as disciples. Yeah. For everyone to be missional. Yeah. So it's like relegated to this. Oh, yeah. We've got professionals now, yeah, that do this. And my role is to pay and support those professionals to make sure they can go do it. But for me, it's more of a lifestyle. Yeah. My whole life is a mission that God gave me when I was saved. Yeah. And it goes through my whole life. Yeah. It encompasses not just going out and doing little mission trips here and there, but my yeah. The way I live my life every single day. Yeah. Mission is supposed to be a daily thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's hard, too, sometimes, because it's kind of putting us out there. Okay, so it's risky. Yeah. And it's... Because you're, you're putting yourself out there for potential rejection. Yeah. Okay, so, so sometimes we're afraid to be a part of the mission, Right. Has anyone ever felt like they didn't know enough to answer questions? Like, what if somebody, like, asks me about the hypostatic union of, like, and I don't know how to answer it, right? I think you have to realize that, you know, sometimes you have to say, hey, um, I'm going I'm to work on that and I'll get yeah. back to you on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... And not just throw out an absolutely. answer yeah. yeah. I think sometimes we're afraid to offend people. Right? We want to be generally loving people. We don't want to be offensive and offend others. But sometimes we're generally afraid of offending a neighbor or a coworker. Anyone have had a bad experience with evangelism? Right? You, you're sharing the gospel and you're put on the spot or you're embarrassed or a um, person just responds very negatively to, uh, to your, your conversation. Uh, some of us have had bad experiences. Right? And some of us, we just lack, I think we lack faith. I think we, some of us even lack love for the people that we're caring for or that we supposedly, supposedly care for. Um, I want to spend a few minutes this morning describing what I mean when I say that we are committed to mission. Uh, and we've talked about it a little bit already. And then we're going to, we've been going through the book of, we've been going through chapter 15 of John uh, as our core text for this vision series. And so we're going to wrap up that chapter today, uh, like Johnny read, and talk about that for a few minutes. So let me pray for us. Jesus, uh, you, you joined into the ultimate mission uh, of coming to us uh, in a time when we were not seeking for you, um, in a time when we were enemies. Uh, when we were your enemies, you came for us. And you invite us, as our hearts are transformed, to join you in that mission uh, of going to others that don't know you. Uh, and we ask this morning that your Holy Spirit would transform our hearts, uh, that he would uh, 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 teach us what we need to know, and that he would move us in the direction that, that you want us to go in terms of our mission as disciple makers, uh, as followers of, of the way of Jesus. So we ask that you would just speak this morning uh, through this text. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so our first two core 
commitments or core values come out of a, a passage in Matthew where Jesus is asked, uh, what is the greatest and most important commandment, right? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Literally, he can't narrow it down to one, right? He has to narrow it down to two, right? And so out of those, uh, out of those, those two commandments, we get this idea of committing ourselves to Jesus, to God, and committing ourselves to family, to love others and one another. Uh, our third commitment comes out of a passage in Matthew chapter 28, uh, where Jesus gives his followers his final instructions, right? It's like his last will and testament. This is after the resurrection. He appears to uh, his disciples. He appears to uh, over 500 different people. Uh, and as he is about to ascend into heaven, he's, he gives them this final commandment. This is what he wants them to devote the rest of their lives to in addition to those two things, loving God and loving others. Um, So Matthew chapter 28 says this, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And uh, in this passage, there's a number of different uh, verbs that, that Jesus uses that sound very commanding and very uh, you know, this is what we're supposed to do, right? We're supposed to go and make disciples and baptize and teach and obey. Uh, but in this passage, there's only, in the, in the original Greek language, there's only one verb that's actually considered a, an imperative verb. An imperative verb is like a command verb, right? It's the difference between uh, me telling my wife, hey, uh, I need you to go to the grocery store and grab some eggs, right? That's not a command. I'm just asking my wife to go get uh, some eggs. And uh, if, I, uh, it's, if I was to do that, and, and command her to do that, it wouldn't be good. Um, but if I was in a battle and I was a, a commander and I said to my, my soldiers, I said, hey, I need you to go to you know, point A and I need you to, to, to capture point A, right? That's not a suggestion. That's a command, right? If, we, if you do not do this, uh, we're going to lose the war, right? And so in this passage, there are, there's only one imperative command and the rest are supporting verbs, uh, those of you that have heard this talk have, know exactly which one I'm talking about. Um, anyone who, who hasn't heard this talk, which one do you think is the, the commanding verb, the imperative verb? Is it go? I can't remember. It's not go. That's the trick question, right? <laughs> uh, we think it's go, right? Because we use this passage when we talk about missions and going to China and sending missionaries all over the world. God said Go. All right, but go is actually a supporting verb here. The real commanding verb here is make disciples. Make, that's the commanding verb. Uh, and so if we were to read this in the Greek, uh, what we would actually translate and read is something like this. It would say, as you are going into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That's the more accurate translation of this particular passage um, how does that change the meaning of this passage for you? Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the first reading of it means, you know, some of us need to go and pack up our bags and move to China and be missionaries. The second reading of it, as you are going, all of a sudden normalizes this for all of us. Right, You and I, whatever we're doing, pastor, plumber, baker, lawyer, designer, teacher, whatever you're doing, you are called 
to do as you are doing that to make disciples. And he tells us that as we're making disciples, we're supposed to baptize them. Right? We're supposed to uh, teach them the way of Jesus. And more importantly, we're supposed, to, we're supposed to learn to obey the way of Jesus together. Right? A disciple is simply a biblical word for a learner or follower. Um, so disciples of Jesus are those who devote themselves to learning and following the way of Jesus. Right? In, uh, in Jesus' day, if you were a disciple of a rabbi or a disciple of some prominent person, you would actually literally drop everything you're doing and follow that person around like an apprentice, and you would watch what they do, and you would learn what they do, and you would do it alongside of them, and then eventually you would become proficient in doing that yourself. Um, and so Jesus' disciples did what when, when he called them? They dropped everything that they were doing. They were no longer fishermen. They became disciples of Jesus full-time. That's what they devoted themselves to. Uh, and so we are supposed to be a people who regularly share Jesus with the, with the people that we interact with. Right? We're supposed to invite them to consider Jesus. We're supposed to invite them to be honest about their own brokenness and sin. We're supposed to invite them to surrender and submit themselves to God. And we do this through a daily rhythm of what we at Gospel Community call the demonstration and the declaration of the gospel. This is a principle that we adopted as a church a while back. This idea of demonstrating and declaring the gospel, they go hand in hand uh, and they are, this is, our, this is our mission strategy. This is our evangelism strategy. And that's kind of a, that's maybe a too cold of a word. This is just, this is our way of life, right? We want to demonstrate and declare the gospel. So demonstrating the gospel, what does that mean? Uh, it means that I am called to live my life as a devoted follower of the way of Jesus, okay? And I'm supposed to do this not in a corner where nobody can see me, not in a private little uh, you know, a uh, bedroom where like nobody knows who I am and what I'm about. I'm supposed to do this on display for everyone to see, right? I'm supposed to go through my life. I'm not saying like back in Virginia, we had a, a guy who would go to all the festivals and he would actually like, like, like pull a giant cross around like the festivals. And he had to put a little wheel on the bottom of the cross because um, uh, it was too heavy. Um, it's, I'm not talking about that. That's, that is a displaying of his faith. I'm talking about something a little bit more normal and down to earth, right? Uh, the way that I work, the way that I love my family, the way that I mow my lawn are all demonstrations of who I am and what I'm about, okay? If I uh, talk to my wife in an angry uh, and bitter way, that's a demonstration of who I am and what I'm about, right? So we have a, a partner church in Baltimore. They literally called their church Gallery Church, because right? they wanted everyone to understand this principle of being an art gallery on display for the world to see. Right? When people walk by your life, right, do they say, man, that's a really beautiful piece of art? Or do they say, yeah, I wouldn't pay that much for that? <laughs> okay? Um, we're supposed to let others see our transformed lives, right? Not just putting on a show of the best of myself, but also letting them see, hey, there are parts of me that I'm still working on and I have to repent and confess of those things and I have to uh, just you know, confront when, I, when, I, when I've messed up, right? Uh, the, the whole point of living and demonstrating the gospel is that we're supposed to live in such a way that it begs the question, why? Right? Has anyone ever asked you, why are you the way that you are? Okay, uh, not in the um, Michael Scott uh, to um, Toby. Toby way, right? This is not Michael Scott Toby, 
This is a genuine, like, man, I see the way, and I've had this happen to me. Someone says to me, I've seen the way that you talk to your wife. Why are you the way that you are? Okay? Um, these are incredible opportunities. I have been demonstrating the gospel through the way that I live. And now, all of a sudden, because that question why has been asked, I am invited into an opportunity to declare the gospel. Oftentimes, we tend, actually, I'll, I'll get there in a second. Uh, declaring. What do I mean when I say declaring the gospel? Um, I mean bearing witness. Right? When you go to court uh, and, some, and a witness is called on the stand, what is that role of that witness? To tell the truth. To tell the truth. About what? Whatever happened, right? Don't make up a story, right? Don't tell us a fairy tale. We just need you to tell us what happened, right? I don't need your opinion on what happened. I don't need your, uh, I just need you to tell me the facts, right? This guy did this in this place, right? It was the candlestick in the library uh, and it was, uh, I don't even know any of the, yes, Colonel Mustard, that's one. <laughs> uh, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to speak up and bear witness when others ask us, why we are the way that we are, right? And so we're looking as followers of the way of Jesus, we're looking for opportunities um, to clarify misconceptions, right? Someone at work, I'm hanging out, we're, we're at the break room, which we're not allowed to do right now in Rhode Island, no break rooms. Um, we're hanging out uh, uh, outside in the parking lot, a well-ventilated area, full masks on, and someone says uh, something about uh, Jesus that you know is not true, right? That's an opportunity for you to say, actually, I don't actually think that that's what he's like, right? I think that's a misconception of who Jesus is, right? Some people like to say Jesus was a really good teacher or a really good person. I mean, he was, but he was so much more than that, right? Those are misconceptions, and it's my opportunity to speak up and, and declare the gospel, right? Uh, when someone tries to explain the brokenness and evil and suffering that's going on in our world by any other reason other than sin, Right, it's an opportunity for me to speak up and say, actually, those might be contributing factors, but the root cause of all the suffering in our world is the sin and brokenness that's all around us. Right? These are opportunities for me to, to clarify misperceptions. Uh, and they're also, I'm, I'm looking for opportunities to help someone reconsider a rejection. Right? When someone says to me, man, I don't, I don't think I can accept a Jesus who said that we're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. Right? And I get to, as a follower of the way of Jesus, invite them to reconsider I'm not going to force them to. I can't, I can't change someone's perspective or mine. I'm not going to be rude or, or, or harsh, but I'm going to invite them to consider. Do you think that there's another way for you to look at this? Mm-hmm. All right. Ultimately, we bear witness to who Jesus is and what he has done. Demonstrate the gospel with my life. Declare it when the Holy Spirit gives me opportunities. And is that it? Yes. That's all that we're called to. Right. Isn't there something else that we should be doing? Like maybe some street witnessing, puppet ministries? Not really. I mean, there's a million different ways that you and I can get creative about this, right? Uh, if, if you have a particular skill that, that you want to use as a, as a mission opportunity, great. Let's do it. There's a million ways that you can, you can make this happen. But that's all that we're really called to is the demonstration and the declaration of the gospel, right? But how do I ensure that the person I'm talking to comes to faith. You don't. Right? I don't ensure any of that. That's not my role. That's not my job. 
Okay, my job is just to bear witness. Let's take a look at John 15, and I'm going to start wrapping this up. Okay, first part of John 15, we talked about this idea of abiding in Jesus. And Jesus says, if you do not abide in me, you're, going to, you're not going to be able to do anything. All of this, family and mission, roots out of a deep abiding in Jesus. Right? Uh, the second part of John 15 talks about this idea of loving one another, which is a critical and, and, and a crucial part of Jesus' teaching where he invites us to, uh, to use the way that we love one another, um, to, to, to love one another in such a way that it becomes a, a testimony to the watching world that we are followers of Jesus. True disciples love one another. And then in the last part of John 15, Jesus wants to give us a heads up, a warning of what we are to expect if we live this way. Okay? Um, John 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Uh, If you were of the world, the world would love you as your own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I have said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all of these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. And this word for hate uh, is a Greek word uh, called miseo. Um, It just literally means malicious or unjustifiable feelings towards someone. So unjustifiable hatred. Right? Um, There is no better example of this than Jesus. Right? There's a guy going around teaching us to love one another, healing the sick, raising the dead, and the response is unjustified hatred. Kill him. Right? And John explains to us why that response was the way that it was. Early in John chapter 3, he says uh, that Jesus was the light, but men hated the light. They, they preferred the darkness. Right? When, uh, any, any morning people here? Right? I'm a, I'm, I'm a morning person. Uh, so none of you are morning people, right? Okay. No, yeah. So in the morning, do you guys have blackout curtains in your room? Yes. Yes? Like you like it nice and dark? Anyone like to wake up to like the, the sun blaring on their face? Yeah? Uh, have you ever been like in a deep sleep and like your mom or dad or your spouse or sibling walks in and just wanks uh, the, uh, the curtains open and you just get blinded by the light? Right? And you obviously experience deep affection and love for that person at that moment, right? Jesus explains to us, John explains to us that the reason Jesus was hated is because he shed light on the true reality of men's hearts, right? Uh, and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the principle here is simple. Uh, if they hated Jesus who lived the perfect life, they're going to hate those who follow the way of Jesus as well, right? And we have to be careful. There's a caution here. Don't be a jerk, <laughs> right? If you, if you deserve to be hated because you're just a meanie poo-poo pants, right? Because you're just, you're just mean to the people around you, right? That's not the t- kind of hatred we're talking about here. We're talking about an unjustified hatred. You can tell I'm a dad. I'm using some really good dad language here. Um, and he tells us we're supposed to expect a, a number of different responses, right? There are going to be people who reject the, the truth of the gospel. Actually, there's going to be a lot of people who reject the truth of the gospel, right? Jesus tells us that narrow is the gate that leads to salvation. But 
uh, within that group, there's going to be some, not by, but also within that group, there are going to be some people that respond very negatively and harshly uh, in an unjustifiable way towards us. We, just have, we have to expect that. Right? Some people are going to re- react that way. Thankfully, not everyone. Right? Most of the people that I talk to about why I follow the way of Jesus do not respond that way. Right? Some people simply just don't understand. All right? And it takes time, and I, and I want to be patient with them and follow them. Uh, and then Jesus tells us that some people are actually going to respond with faith. Right? So in other words, we need to have appropriate expectations as to how we think others will respond. Uh, we also have to be careful to ask ourselves, if I'm not experiencing any pushback from anyone, am I actually walking and living the way of Jesus? Right? Again, again, we don't, if I don't go out seeking hatred and persecution by being a jerk, right? If I'm being hated because I'm the mean guy on the block, then that's, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about living the way of Jesus, loving others well, not conforming to the world and experiencing that kind of rejection, right? Uh, we're supposed to expect that. So then Jesus goes on to explain this principle, uh, this relationship between guilt and revelation. I'm not going to spend too much time on this. I just want to read this. Uh, if I had not come to them, verse 22, and spoken to them, uh, they, uh, they would not have been guilty of sin. Now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, uh, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Um, there's this principle of revelation and guilt. Right? And it's this idea that the more revelation I have, the more responsible I am to that truth. Right? If you're an airline pilot or a, bus, a city bus driver and you're, and you're you know, coming to your bus in the morning to go to driving and you notice that your wheels are missing or your wheels are uh, like not attached correctly. Okay? If you get in that bus and you start driving and you cause an accident and you willfully knew that the bus was not safe to drive, who's responsible for the damages done? The bus driver. His guilt is greater because of what he knew. And so Jesus is basically saying that um, uh, both the people in his time and us today, we have two things that no one else has ever had in history. Uh, We have the words that Jesus has spoken, which are clear. And we have the works that Jesus has done, which support the words that he said. And because of these two things, uh, when we reject, when we choose to reject the truth that we have, our guilt is greater. Um, that's all I'm going to say there. There's, there's more we can talk about that principle if you would like, but I just want to explain that passage. Uh, so if we are to expect rejection and hostility from some people, how are we supposed to faithfully live out this call to make disciples? Right? How am I supposed to do this on a daily basis? Uh, and I think verse 26 helps us. Right? But when the helper comes, uh, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Uh, in order to be faithful in making disciples, you and I have to have a proper understanding of what my role is and what the Holy Spirit's role is. And this is a little bit of a trick question. But what is that Holy Spirit's role in this, in this passage. He's bearing 
He's bearing witness. Okay? What is the disciple's role? What is my role? Verse 27. It's a trick question. It's also to bear witness. <laughs> right? Yeah. It actually uses the same word. Right? The Holy Spirit's role is to bear witness. My role is to bear witness. Where we bear witness is what changes. Right? Bearing My, witness to the physical body. Yep. The Holy Spirit is bearing witness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I bear witness on an external standpoint. The Holy Spirit bears witness inside. This is why some of you, when you gave your life to Jesus, you heard the gospel for the first time, and within you there was something that said, this is true. Right? This is Right? Everything else I've heard up until this point, all the explanations for the suffering and brokenness in this world, all the explanations of my own guilt, all the explanations of how to fix all of that, all of those things fall short compared to the gospel. The Holy Spirit within you bore witness and and told you, yeah, this is true. It's literally the same task in the original language in the Greek. Um, We've already talked about this, but it's this idea of being a court witness. I am just responsible to tell people what I saw, what I experienced, what I know. Right? Uh, obviously, I did not see Jesus walk this earth. Obviously, I didn't see him rise from the dead. Uh, so I get to bear witness to what I see in the scriptures. I get to bear witness to what I see in my own life. Right? I get to tell people that there was a day when I lived uh, for myself and I tried to earn my own righteousness. Uh, do that. Right? That I, there's no amount of good works that I can do that is going to make me right with God, uh, and I have to fully surrender myself and depend on Jesus. Okay, so I am bearing witness to what the Holy Spirit has done in my heart. That's it. Right? I'm not trying to convince someone to join Christianity or join the church. All I'm trying to do is bear witness faithfully and let the Holy Spirit bear witness inside. Right? We do. We do. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember in, in high school. Yeah, I remember in high school and in college we learned all these like evangelism methods and all these other things and uh, and techniques and that's fine. I think there's something to be learned from each of those, right? It does help teach you to speak more articulately about uh, the gospel, uh, but at the end of the day, um, that's not the point, right? So Jesus' family mission, right? We are supposed to, we are called to, we are invited to devote ourselves to following the way of Jesus. We're, de- we're supposed to devote ourselves to authenticity and love for one another. And we're supposed to devote ourselves to being faithful witnesses of Jesus to a watching world. Right? All of the scriptures are summed up in those three things. Right? We are the family of God Redeemed and transformed by Jesus, called to live on mission with one another, right? Uh, three weeks ago when we started this series, I told you guys that I was deleting. We don't technically have a membership roster in the church. Um, uh, we've just had like the people that have been joining with us. Uh, and so thank you for being a part of this. Some of them are watching online today because they're sick. Um, so three weeks ago, we deleted that list of names, Right? Uh, and next week, we're going to have a moment to remake that list. 
right? I think once a year, a good annual rhythm for us is to review what is it that we're devoting ourselves to and ask the question, am I willing to do this again for another year? Right? Am I, do I feel that, uh, called by the Holy Spirit to do this for another year? Right? And so we are going to be signing what's called a family covenant. Um, don't be um, put off by the word covenant. Covenant is an Old Testament word. In the New Testament, they, uh, they use the word membership a lot. And so some ch- churches use the word covenant. Some churches use the word membership. They both mean the same thing. Uh, the difference between um, like a, a covenant and like a contract uh, is that covenant is always, is always heavily tied to relationship, right? Covenants are made in relationship. Contracts are made on paper with businesses, whatever. <laughs> um, and so that's why we call it a marriage covenant, right? Because it's the covenant between the husband and the wife. So covenants always are tied deeply to relationships. And I'm, I've got a little uh, frequently asked questions uh, about covenants and why we're choosing to use this word. I'm not going to go through it right now. I'm going to actually post it for you guys uh, a little bit later this week to take a look at. Uh, and if you have any questions about that, I'd love to talk about it. Uh, but don't be afraid of the word covenant. Uh, that We're not signing in blood, right? No one is doing anything weird. We're not sacrificing any goats. Uh, this is just a commitment, a choice we're making to live out the way of Jesus' family mission together, Okay? Um, signing this family covenant means that we are committing to devoting ourselves to these three core values. We've never officially, we've always said, said this is what we believe and we've always invited people to kind of you know, move in and out of joining us in that however, however they've wanted. Um, but we, this is the first time that we're gonna ask you to say, you know, I actually want to devote myself to this at least for a year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to pursue this with my, all my heart at least for one year. Right, we're not going to do this perfectly, and we're going to fail plenty of times, but there's lots of grace upon grace upon grace other than that. Right, signing a family covenant uh, brings a certain level of accountability for us. Right, the people that sign up the covenant say, this is what I'm choosing to devote myself to and agree to and live by, and, uh, and I invite others to call me out on it if I don't live by it. Right? Um, Signing a family covenant signifies that we want to be participants, not just observers in what God wants to do through this community, right? In our churches today, there's plenty of opportunities to be observers, especially today, right? You can sit comfortably in your home, in your PJs, eating your brunch, and just observe what's happening at your church online, right? We believe we're called to be participants not just observers, right? So I'm actually going to hand out a, a little card that I made for you guys last night at midnight. Um, this is our family covenant, okay? Again, don't be afraid of the word covenant. It's just a normal biblical word. Um, why don't I pass this around? We, this is the only time during COVID that I'm going to hand out a piece of paper during one of our gatherings, all right? Every other time, it's, everything's going to be digital. I want you to take one of these home, uh, and I want you to read through it over the course of this week a couple of times. Uh, and I want you to pray through it. Right? Am I willing to sign this agreement? Right? This is a covenant between one another. Uh, those of you that are watching online, let me know and I'll send this to you. Um, this is a covenant that we're making together. And I want to read this together. Um, so you have an idea of what you're signing. And then next week, I'm going to invite you to bring this back. And if you're willing to sign this covenant with us, 
right? Again, this is not blood. You're not going to be like held legally liable to anything. This is just an, a, a, an agreement that we're making with one another to live this way out. And I, I believe that every follower of Jesus ought to live this way, ought to live by these three things. Um, let me read this to you. Any follower of Jesus Christ is, commit, is invited to become a part of the covenant family of gospel community providence. In covenanting with us, uh, you both agree to and adopt our shared values for intentional living, Jesus, family, and mission. Our covenant family agrees to be the church beyond our gatherings. Uh, it is in our covenant family environment uh, that we will wrestle in the tension of loving Jesus, each other, and our neighbors. We are covenanting with each other in word and in action. And here's the three things that we're committing ourselves to for this year. All right, by God's grace, I agree to devote myself to the pursuit of Jesus in my individual life, as well as together as the family of God. Right, by God's grace. Is that, that's the key word here. By God's grace. We're gonna fail this, but we're by God's grace going to pursue that. Right, number two, by God's grace, I agree to devote myself to the family of God, to live in authenticity and community together, to speak truth, as well as pour grace upon grace upon grace on one another. By God's grace. Number three, by God's grace, I agree to devote myself to joining Jesus in his mission of restoring all things, as well as to making disciples through the demonstration and the declaration of the gospel. Again, by God's grace. I'm not saying that next week we're going street witnessing. What I'm saying is I'm inviting you to view your life as an art gallery for others to look at and to live in such a way that it begs the question, why? Uh, take it home. Pray over this. This is a, the first time we've ever done this. I don't actually know what I'm going to do if, if, if you guys don't want to sign it. Um, other than you're welcome to be an observer from a distance, but we're just not going to hold you to the same level of uh, accountability as those that sign the covenant, right? Um, and those that sign the covenant are, they are the people that make up this church. Those that don't sign the covenant are the people that are observing from, the, from, a, from a distance, and that's okay as well, all right? Um, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your scriptures. Thank you so much for... Uh, just continuing to prepare us for how this world's going to respond to us. And uh, even just uh, helping us to understand that the same reason why people hated you are the same reasons why people are going to hate and persecute your church today. Uh, and we ask Jesus that you would uh, lead us to live in a way that loves the people around us, that serves the people around us, uh, so that we don't get persecuted for for, for bad reasons, but so that if we do experience persecution, it's because of our deep love and affection and devotion for you. Um, more importantly than any of that, though, Jesus, I ask that you would teach us what it means to bear witness. I ask that you would, uh, that your Holy Spirit would work alongside of us as we bear witness. I ask Jesus that uh, the people that are watching our lives would uh, would see the, uh, your work and your Holy Spirit within us, would ask why we are different, and that you would give us boldness and courage to, to declare the truths of the gospel and, and be good witnesses um, and leave the results of, of that conversation to you. And I pray most importantly, Jesus, that as your Holy Spirit leads us, that you would keep us from, um, 
they would guard us from ignoring that. Right? We oftentimes quench uh, the Holy Spirit when he leads us to do something or say something or speak up and we don't do it. And so we ask that, you, that we would just have courage and boldness to, and faith to speak up as you lead. Uh, we love you, Jesus. Uh, we we want to commit ourselves to these three things, Jesus, family, mission, and we need your grace to be able to do that. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.